Eight Bites walk into a bar. The bartender asks, Can I get you anything? Yeah, reply the Bites. Make us a double. This is Real-Time Overview for Wednesday, October 10th, and I'm your host, Michael Feenan. Instead of your normal roundup this week, I want to take today's episode and tackle a special topic that's been seeing a lot of movement the last few days, and that's the state of accessibility surrounding WordPress's upcoming Gutenberg editor. A lot has happened in the last few days, and rather than trying to cram it into one single feature, I think we should spend about 10 minutes today just talking about it. So here's the deal. Gutenberg has had accessibility concerns going back virtually to day one. That's not a new thing, and it's not a huge surprise to us at this point. We know they've been working on it, and I do want to acknowledge that a huge amount of progress has been made with Gutenberg in the past few months. Even just since episode 8 when we talked about it on the Drunken UX podcast, there have been a lot of fixes and a lot of patches aimed specifically at solving accessibility issues. So that's fantastic. From before I dig too deeply into what's going on, I think that knowing that that process does move forward is a very important one because I will refer back to this idea of accessibility being a process and not a finish line. What has changed recently is starting with the new accessibility developer at Automatic. His name's Matthew McPherson and he's been taking over and trying to drive the accessibility efforts. And he posted an issue at GitHub that opened up a strange can of worms. At first, this issue didn't seem that bad. It was a big issue, but it was uh, straightforward and had, I think, a very reasonable goal. He was asking for somebody to come in, do an accessibility audit of Gutenberg, and then produce a blog post that would help outline how Gutenberg compared to the classic editor and help resolve some of those perception problems that Gutenberg is a super inaccessible mess. Well, that's step one. The problem here is either Gutenberg is an accessible mess, inaccessible mess, or it is just a perception problem. And I think the truth is actually much closer to the former than the latter. I think uh, we shouldn't be trying to put marketing spin on Gutenberg to get over this hump. We should be putting the fixes out in front to make sure that we're resolving those. And I'm not saying that he had any intent to try to hide anything or to try to cover up any of that. As he points out later, he is, of course, new to the project, and he's trying to get a feel for how Gutenberg now compares to the classic editor of before. And that is a completely fair thing to want to do. That is what is going to help you develop a plan and build fixes. So that was the start of that. Where things started to get a little weirder was with commenters chiming in and saying, hey, let us donate. We'll, we'll totally help fund an external accessibility audit of the product so that we can get a good clear view of everything that's wrong. He came back again and made it clear automatic is going to do that. We are going to fund that project so that we can make sure we get those answers. The two things that came out of that are one, I'm not sure why that wasn't part of the plan from the very outset. And two, he, he made an implication. And again, I don't want to read too much between the lines, but I believe the words that he used were, um, was that automatic would help find the money to take care of this. And it kind of comes back to this idea that if accessibility is truly a goal and a pillar of the development you're doing, you don't find money for that. 
there is money for that. You have to ensure that that is included in the process from the day you start development because you know that you're going to need it moving forward and that it's going to impact the quality of the product that you're putting out. Now, as of today, there are roughly 104 open accessibility issues on the Gutenberg project. Not all of those are major. In fact, most of them are quite minor. And I expect we will see all of those major ones resolved before the next accessibility merge. That's fantastic. Um, and I think there will, there will always be those issues because, again, process, not finish line. We'll develop new ways of making things better. We'll find new issues. That's perfectly all well and good. What other commenters brought up that I think is worth considering, though, is that WordPress as an organization, Automatic as an organization, needs to think about the way they are approaching some of these conversations because it does give the appearance that they aren't considering it from the outset and that they are still relying on this idea that, well, WordPress is an open source product, so if we want to see solutions, then people need to get involved and help out. And that's true you know that is not something that 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 we can't say but wordpress is also a huge organization driving what are we at now 34 percent of websites when you're that big you can't rely on that as an answer and i'm not i i'm i want to not put words in people's mouth on and certainly not matthews that that was not what was being said but i do think that there is an appearance from the outside that that is kind of how the organization is moving. So let's get to the big piece of what has happened now. As of Tuesday morning, Ryan Reitvelt, the former former web accessibility team lead, has put out an announcement that she has resigned from that position. This is huge news because Ryan has been involved in the WordPress community for years, helping it evolve and adopt new standards and push the product forward. This is where we start to see some of this clash of what is happening versus what is perceived to be happening because she paints a very different picture from some of what we hear and see otherwise in different threads. From her standpoint, one of the big problems that they had was this push and pull fight that was happening between the accessibility team and the development team where they were getting stuck defending tickets they were making and having to justify the work that they wanted to see done. That is just absolutely not the way accessibility integrates with development. And as she points out in her piece, they weren't included quite enough and she would have pushed harder for that much louder, much earlier to make sure that the developers were including tactics designed to include people from the outset. This is tough, right? Because we talk a lot about including accessibility as a core value in your development from the start, and that that's the way you build things correctly. We had this problem where Gutenberg, when it first came out, is nothing like the Gutenberg of today. Features were built and addressed and then changed, and we weren't always going back and reviewing those changes closely enough. And there's a great example of, of what this looks like in practice. I'm going to leave a link in the show notes. It's a bright, clear web, and they did an article that did an accessibility review. Not like not a full audit, but just a good, solid overview of Gutenberg in July of last year. Now, that's ages ago in Gutenberg time, but it gives a very interesting look at all the problems that existed with the features that are still there, 
but those features have completely changed shape and form virtually across the board. And while they may not have the same problems, they do have new and different problems. And it kind of outlines this process that was taking place that things were getting built or are getting built, but aren't being built and then tested immediately for these considerations. It's a process problem, and it's a process problem that is going to be a hard one, it sounds like, for them to learn and integrate. Ryan made another really important point, and it's what I want to spend a second talking about. She says one of the biggest challenges that they had was that the accessibility team was not skilled enough at development to be able to provide their own fixes during the process. And that's a fair thing. You know, these are folks that weren't necessarily developers or weren't necessarily React developers specifically. And that's the problem she outlined. There was a lack of accessibility-minded React developers within that team to help answer the questions that they were raising. So what I want to do is take this a step further because I don't think this is a WordPress problem. I think we shouldn't frame it that way. I think what we should be saying is there aren't enough accessibility-minded React developers. And then I want to go one step further than that. I don't think as developers, regardless of the platform you use, I don't think we're thinking about accessibility enough. I don't think we're teaching it well enough. I don't think we're building our tools with enough of that in mind. If you've ever looked at the React accessibility documentation, there's tons of it out there, and there are tons of articles about how to build an accessible React application. But you'll notice that the techniques to do that tend to get very different between people, and the approaches that React itself uses they rename elements, like if you've ever looked at the way a label is done on an element, they use an H, what's called the HTML4 element instead of just the 4 element. So there are differences that if you've learned accessibility in one place, you have to relearn those skills for the different platform. We aren't helping ourselves. That's the real problem here. And while WordPress and Gutenberg is getting the light shined on it for this problem right here and now because of the timing, I don't necessarily put all of the fault on them because I don't think that it's something that is unique. I think this is something we're all struggling with. This idea that accessibility becomes inclusive design, becomes universal design when you think about it from a development standpoint. That it's not, while we tack the phrase design onto that, it is a development requirement that you write your code in a certain way. And we aren't teaching that well enough. In episode 18, we talk a whole lot about this with Tatiana Mack and this idea that we are we're really doing a, a not great job, not just from the design side, but the development side and getting people to understand how to interpret these problems. I can put on a blindfold as a developer and use my product and see what it is like to use it as somebody who is blind. But at best, all I'm doing is mimicking that accessibility problem in a temporal way. And my experience doing that for the 30 minutes I'm testing does not accurately reflect the way somebody who is truly blind has to use my product. It will help. It is a technique, but it isn't the best way forward. Most developers don't spend time using screen readers or turning on JAWS or Dragon Naturally Speaking to sit down and listen to how their tools are being used. With WordPress in particular and Gutenberg, that tool is designed around lots of live in-page changes and how those changes are announced and then focused on can be a huge problem for somebody who is limited to keyboard accessibility and, and not 
able to use sight to focus on what is going on. So we need to be thinking a lot more about this, and I wanted to take this little side road on this discussion because I think that it is a problem that is bigger than WordPress, I think it is a problem that is bigger than React, and I think it is something that moving forward we need to start considering when we teach other developers, but also when we build new things for ourselves. There's been a lot of progress though. And while Ryan is moving on, she has said that she will most likely come back to the table to help out in other ways. And she has left a whole lot in her wake that's going to be very helpful to the community. Thanks to Ryan, we have the WordPress Accessibility Handbook that helps guide coding standards and coding practices across the platform. She started a ticket on GitHub that's designed to make an assistive technology manual for people switching to Gutenberg to help them with the learning curve that is going to be coming with that product. This is great stuff. The one thing I want to make sure that we don't lose sight of, though, and I'm not going to, I don't want to talk deeply about the WordPress culture, the automatic culture. Um, I, I'm not going to speak about any of the individuals, how they are or aren't acting towards other people, because I, I don't think that's necessarily useful in this conversation. Um, what I want to make sure we have, we don't lose sight of, though, is the importance of acknowledging that these problems exist and that we need to work towards them and that it's okay to not be perfect out of the gate. Gutenberg's not going to be ready from an accessibility standpoint in 5.0. That's just, it's just not, and I've accepted that. But I do believe it will get better and it will continue. And I also know that we will have the classic editor. That will be our ramp on the stairs uh, for the time being to maintain continuity of service within the platform. And in the meantime, we can use that to learn from it, to figure out how to apply different techniques to Gutenberg to fix the issues that are keeping people from using it. What I don't want to see is people give up on Gutenberg because what will inevitably happen is people think WordPress is too big a platform to fork. And I'm going to tell you, it's not. There are other platforms. I distinctly remember the Joomla Mambo split, the Open Office LibreOffice split. Platforms, huge platforms, break into two all the time. And I could very much see that if we don't address these issues, there could be a future version of WordPress that leaves Gutenberg behind and starts its own path. And that's something that I don't think necessarily would be good for the community at large. And I hope that we will work towards not having have happen. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying that based on anything I've heard from the community or from other people involved. I'm just saying it more as a warning. But until then, let's focus on making things better. Let's commit a little bit of time here and there to reviewing accessibility tickets in GitHub. Maybe we can offer advice. Maybe we can offer solutions. I think there are a lot of us out there who have those skills and can take that time and it will make this product better for everyone. Thanks for checking out Real-Time Overview this week. I hope you enjoyed this little different take on this subject. I thought it was a big enough deal that we should stop and kind of talk about it in a little bit different format for the week. I am your host, Michael Fien, and join us next week. Aaron and I will be jumping into a new episode of the Drunken UX Podcast, where we will be looking at automotive dealer websites. Um, we will also have a new episode of Build Process, coming your way on Wednesday morning. 
Until next time, you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook. We are slash drunken UX. We are slash drunken UX podcast on Instagram. If you are feeling so inclined, leave us a rating. You can drop by iTunes or podchaser.com slash drunken UX to do that. The only other thing I have left to say before we get out of here is to keep your personas close and your users closer.